0: Well, good morning. It has already been a great day to be in the house of the Lord, and that is encouraging for me as pastor because I know now this could potentially be the worst sermon you've ever heard, and that's okay because the gospel has been seen, the gospel has been spoken, the gospel has been sung, and we praise God for that we thank him for that, and we thank him for the opportunity. Well, again, good morning. It is good to see you all again today. We are in our last day of our study through 2 Timothy, our last day in our series that we've titled Letters from the Pastor, and if you have not been with us uh, through this time, we have walked together through 1 Timothy, Titus, 2 Timothy, And now we come to our very conclusion of this series. So if you've not had a chance to listen to those messages, I would encourage you to go back and uh, do so. I hope they've been uh, just an incredible word for you, a word that is both encouraging, convicting, and also edifying. So again, as we're going to see today in 2 Timothy chapter 4, we are now reading what can be best described as the final words of Paul. So my goal for this morning is that we would see the need and the importance of having gospel relationships. And so as we read the text, we're going to see in our last text, this closing from Paul, we're going to see what gospel relationships look like. We're going to see what happens with bad relationships, and we'll also begin to see who we should be looking to as the central gospel relationship. So as we look to our text, many of you probably get to the end of a Pauline letter, and you see a list of greetings and a list of names, and you probably just fly right by them. Well, my hope and prayer today as we walk through uh, many of these names, that you would realize that each person that's listed here by Paul is not just some Random person. Rather, what we have before us in our text today is an opportunity for us to do some self evaluation or self reflection in order to determine the type of person that we are and the type of relationship we share with those around us. And we're going to see that through Paul's relationship with the characters that are mentioned this morning. So, as we walk through this text together, let us Just think as we see each name given and a description given about them. My prayer is that we would think upon ourselves, what type of relationships should we be looking for? Or better yet, maybe we should ask ourselves the following question, what type of person am I? You see, as believers in Christ, with the gospel in mind, we need to ask ourselves, are we the type of people that others want to be around? whether it's in times of encouragement or times of edification or even when conversations and relationships are hard, are we still the type of person that people can look to and trust. So, as we look at Paul's words today, we're going to again see both the need and also the importance of gospel relationships. So, if you have your Bible, and I hope you do, I would encourage you to turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4, and we will begin reading in verse 9. And once you have found your place in the Word of God, I would ask you now to stand in honor of the reading of the Word. Now again, these are Paul's words written to Timothy, also written to the church at Ephesus. Paul's final words in 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse 9, Paul writes, Do your best to come see me soon. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me, and he strengthened me, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed, and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Prisca and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus remained at Corinth. I left Trophimus, who was ill, at Miletus. Do your best to come before winter. Eubulus sends greetings to you, as do Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the brothers. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Let's pray together. Father God, we come before you right now thanking you for this day and for the opportunity we have now to just to spend the next few moments in your word. Father, we pray that as we have already worshiped you through the singing of your word, through the hearing of your word, Father, I pray that in these next few moments as we hear your word proclaimed, God, we ask that you and you alone would be glorified. Prepare our hearts and our minds for your truth. Father, I pray that today as we study several friends of Paul, as we hear these greetings, Father, help us to do some self-examination. Help us to look to our own friendships, or better yet, the friendships as we are defined in them, and through it, may you and you alone be glorified. So Father, prepare our hearts and our minds for your truth today. Lord, we love you. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for delighting in us. In your precious and holy name, we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Now, again, we are reading for ourselves. Paul's final words. Now, in his own words, we begin to see the importance of relationships within the life of Paul, but also the importance of relationships as they appear in our own lives. In fact, if asked um, what was on Paul's mind at the very end of his life, I am quite confident that after reading through 2 Timothy and reading through 1 Timothy and Titus and even all the other Pauline letters that we have in the Word of God, his answer would be very clear. You see, what was on his mind would be Jesus Christ and also the people. You see, throughout 2 Timothy, we have read Paul's words and we have now seen the importance that he places on relationships. So when it comes to our faith in Christ Jesus and our own personal call of Christ, we too need to realize that we are not meant to journey on this road alone. You see, God designed us all with the innate need for human interaction and human relationships. So it's at this point, we need to ask ourselves, how are we making the most of those relationships? How are we making the most of the moments that we have together as believers in Christ? Maybe today we need to take it one step further and ask ourselves, are we being faithful to God in our relationships with one another? You see, let's think upon these questions as we begin to examine the characters that Paul now gives us in our final passage in 2 Timothy. You see, we'll start with verses 9 through 15, and Paul lists out here a group of people, nine in total, and in reading about these people, we're not here to sit in judgment over them, but rather what we have is enough information about each one of these characters that we should at least learn something from them, or better yet, examine our own faithfulness in light of what Paul says about each of them. You see, we've already read that there are going to be some that Paul will speak of, and he's going to speak of them in a negative light. And so we should learn from their faults. And yet at the same time, Paul is going to speak of some of these characters in the positive. And so as believers today, we should learn to emulate their faithfulness. So again, let's look at our text. Let's look at these individuals and see what it means to live with gospel relationships. The first character we have is found in verse 9 and though he's not listed by name per se we know who Paul is talking about here it's Timothy himself you see Paul twice in our passage both here in verse 9 and also again in verse 21 urges Timothy to come to him quickly You see, Paul now knew that his time was short, and due to the the coming winter months, travel would be very limited. And so in Paul's own words, we now again see the type of relationship or the type of bond that was shared between Paul and between Timothy. You see, Paul's ultimate desire was to see his Lord and Savior, but he still wanted to see his spiritual son one more time before his death. Now, I love what John Stott says about these words. He says, One sometimes meets super spiritual people who claim that they never feel lonely and have no need for friends, for the companionship of Christ satisfies all their needs. But human friendship is the loving provision of God for mankind. You see again as believers in Christ today whether we want to admit to it or not whether we are extroverts or introverts we have all been created with an innate need for relationship. And so we have to ask ourselves today, who is that friend that we now have in our lives that we can count on? Who is that friend in our lives that we can celebrate with and share our joys with? Or who will be there for us in our darkest moments when we are hurt the most? If no one comes to mind, then may I encourage you to seek out that person. At the same time, we now need to ask ourselves, are we the type of person that can be counted on from beginning to end. We get to verse 10, and Paul gives us now the name of Demas. You see, while some people in our life can be a source of joy, as Timothy was for Paul, there will also be others who can be a source of discouragement. You see, Paul says of him that Demas was in love with this present world and therefore has now deserted me. Now, the word deserted that Paul actually uses here is actually a very strong verb, meaning utterly abandon and leave someone helpless in a dire situation. So, this desertion clearly brought Paul. Pain because Demas was already listed as a, pre, uh, as a previous co-worker of Christ. We see him listed in Colossians 4 and also again in Philemon 24. So now Paul tells us that Demas, this, this co-worker, has now left because he was in love with this present world. You see, Demas, instead of being in love with Christ and the appearing of Christ... He had now abandoned Paul for his love for the world. Now we have no idea what this means specifically for Demas, but what we do know is this. We now know that according to the words of Paul, that his affections and desires were now clearly misplaced. Instead of being focused on Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, he was now focused on what the world had to offer. Instead of being focused on the love that Christ had for him and his love for Christ as well, he was now focused on the love that the world had to offer. And the reality, as we know today, is the love of this world, the things that this world can offer us, they are fleeting. They will pass and they will turn to dust yet our relationship with Christ, the love that Christ has for us and that we have for him will last for all eternity. And yet it was Demas who forgot. You see, there's a warning in this passage for us today. When we have the wrong loves, then we are now living the wrong life. You see, it's crazy to me to think that someone who was So close to Paul, someone who had seen Paul being beaten, someone who had seen Paul being persecuted and tortured and thrown in ministry, someone who had seen uh, Paul's own personal ministry and all that he was doing um, by the grace of God through the gospel. It's just crazy to me to think that this would also be someone who would eventually desert Paul in Paul's greatest hour of need. You see, Demas, like Judas was with Jesus, was a fair-weathered friend, And so his desertion should warn us to make sure that we both know what it is that we are standing on and also who it is we are now standing with. You see, Paul gives this same warning to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, when he says, therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. And so we have to ask ourselves today, will we stand with one another for capital T truth that comes from knowing Jesus Christ our Lord and comes from knowing the word of God when all others around us fall? Are we the type of person in a gospel relationship that others will know and others will trust will stand with them when they take a stance on the gospel what type of person are we now we move from there in verses 10 and 12 and we read the names of crescents and titus and Tychicus here and here we see three relationships that were clearly departures as well but not in the same sense as what paul was talking about with demas you see, Crescens and Titus are clearly now being sent out on mission. As Paul states, Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Now, we will not see or hear anything else about Crescens, but tradition clearly connects him with the churches of Mayence and Gaul. But Titus, on the other hand, Titus is clearly a character that we all know well. You see, Paul also referred to Titus the same way he did Timothy as a true son. In fact, the last we saw of Titus, he was in Crete, and now he has been called to move on in mission to Dalmatia. And so Titus was clearly a gospel partner to Paul. It was Titus who brought comfort to Paul, and it was also Titus who was a strong equipper of leaders. So clearly Paul trusted Titus, Thus why Titus is now sent on mission to hard places and sent on mission to serve in hard churches. You see, Titus was now sent in order to strengthen the church and to then train up their leaders. Now, Tychicus himself was similar to Titus. He was consistent in faithfulness. In fact, we know of him that he was the letter bearer to the Colossians and to the Ephesians. We read about this in Ephesians chapter six and also again in Colossians chapter four. So it can be clearly assumed that Paul trusted Tychicus because he hand delivered the letters from Paul and was also then sent to Ephesus to assist and aid in helping Timothy or to serve as Timothy's temporary replacement so that Timothy could visit Paul in Rome. Now, as we read and see these men, we clearly see that these men could be trusted by their leader. Now, I don't know if you've been reading or not, but clearly our church is shifting our focus. We are moving to a a, a different leadership structure, a a leadership structure that that many of us personally believe in, a leadership structure that we believe is biblical. We are moving towards an elder model, where elders, as we've already talked about in 1 Timothy and Titus, they're going to be in front of us preaching and teaching and, and sharing the gospel, and they're going to be shepherding the families, and they're going to be taking care of the families and doing ministry care over our families, but the reality is, is just because we are, we are hoping that by God's grace, when the Constitution and bylaws are affirmed, and once we bring elders before the church to be vetted on and prayed over, and then set apart, we are hoping that by that point, not only would these men be able to teach, preach, and shepherd and care for our families, but at the same time, when they come into this leadership role, I am hoping and praying that like Paul with Titus, and Paul with each of these individuals that have already been mentioned, I am hoping hoping and praying that our elders will be able to look out upon our church church and see people that they can now trust, who they now know will support the ministry that is happening in this place. So let me ask you, as members of our church, as members of our faith family, if the leadership of the church were to look upon you, do they see people that they can trust? Do they see people that will stand with them, that will support them in the work? Because that is the call of even the member of the local church. We move from there, and again, we get into verse 11, and we see Luke's name is mentioned here. Now, let's pay careful attention to what Paul says about Luke. Paul says, Luke alone is with me. Now, please do not misread what it is that Paul is saying. Paul, in this moment, is not saying, Great, I am stuck with Luke. All the good ones are gone. Now I've got this guy who just sits around and writes down everything I say and do. That's not at all what he's saying here. He's not even looking to Timothy and saying, Timothy, look, here's the deal. I am sitting in a prison, and I am here with Luke. And as much as I love Luke, he is not fun to talk to. Please come and bail me out. That is not his words. Rather, we know Luke to Paul was a loyal friend. We know that Luke was a companion to Paul. In fact, it was Luke who was with Paul in prison from the beginning of his ministry and mission to the very end. And so he was with Paul. Paul during some of Paul's most difficult moments. We see this throughout Acts. And so the reality is Paul is still very happy and filled with joy to have Luke with him. And so when we think about Luke and we think about our own lives, we have to ask ourselves, are we the type of person that brings joy to people when we are around there's an easy way to answer that question. Show up for a gospel community. If you're a member of our church and you walk through the doors and they're happy to see you, you're like Luke. If you walk through those doors and they try to tell you there's really nothing going on and they turn the lights off, you may not be like Luke. I'm just kidding, that better not be happening in our gospel communities. But I will say this, when we are around people, Are we the type of person that people can look to and when they hear our words and they see us, they know they're going to be encouraged? They know they're going to be edified. Even if the word is hard, they know that you have their best interest in mind. Or are we the type of person that when we get around others, we simply drain them of their joy? You see, how we use our words and how we use our time, whether it be for support or whether it be for edification or whether it be for challenge and for calling out, even sin, how we use our words and how we use our time, they matter. And so can people look to us for support? Or do they see us as the type of people who spend all of our time and energy on the negative and all we do is drain? We move from there and further into verse 11, and we get to Mark. And Paul writes of Mark. He says, get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me in ministry. Now, I would underline that phrase, he is useful to me in ministry, because, man, I cannot think of a better thing to be said about someone when being described by another person. How great would it be to have someone say of you, call Johnny, because he is actually very useful. That would be wonderful. Many of us would love to hear that. In fact, this is, actually, uh, this is actually what's being said of Mark by Paul. Now, bear in mind, this is the same Mark who was an eyewitness to Jesus. Um, this is also the same Mark who was with Paul during his first missionary journey. Now, we know at some point during that journey, Mark left Paul and ultimately went home. And this became such an issue between Paul and Mark that it actually split Paul and Barnabas over the issue of Mark going on their very next journey. But pay attention to what happens as we unfold the rest of the story about Mark. You see, even when we disagree as believers, we still need to work to reconcile relationships if we are in the gospel. And so at some point in Mark's ministry, he has now been faithfully restored by Paul. In fact, so much so that Paul would later call him a co-worker for Christ in Philemon 24. Now, some 20 years after all of this division, Mark is now on the short list of reliable friends that is found here in 2 Timothy. So you see, Mark's gospel relationship with Paul should give all Christian's hope. Mark's gospel relationship with Paul should give all fallen, hurting Christians hope. You see, despite rejection, despite hurt, despite shame, despite failure, like we see in Mark and his relationship with Paul, we too can one day know that we can be restored and therefore put back in the game. You see, Mark was not only useful for Paul, but he was also used by God to give us the gospel of Mark. And so by grace, God can restore us the same way he restored Mark. And so what we need to realize today as believers, whether you're hurting, whether you're broken, whether you're you're just feeling the weight of your sin, understand this, that we are never without Hope, and we are never without grace. And the reality is, all of us need it daily. And even in our gospel relationships, all of us need to practice grace daily. From there we move to verse 13 and we see the name Carpus and Paul writes of him. He says, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all the parchments. Now, this may seem like a whole lot of nothing as you're reading it, but clearly Paul trusted this brother. Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, if we were to fill this room with pastors... And you asked these pastors, what is the most important thing that is in your office? I could think of nothing more valuable than the books that these pastors have accumulated. In fact, I would I would go ahead and argue that the books that are in my office are incredibly value, valuable to me. You see, these, these books, these resources are the resources that have shaped my life. They are resources that have shaped my ministry. Now, can books be replaced? Yes, absolutely. But yes, at the same time, these resources mean that much. So let me go ahead and save you the trouble. If you walk into Pastor Corey's office or you walk into my office and you see the books, they're not... There to impress you, they are there because they mean something to us, and the answer is yes, we have read most of them, if not all. In fact, several we've probably spent months studying, more than we'd like to admit. You see, these resources make us who we are. So clearly, these resources for Paul were very valuable to him. And so here is this brother who Paul met that we know of in Acts chapter 20. Clearly, this brother hosted a church in his home, and now he has been entrusted with Paul's cloak. Now, this is important because the winter is coming, and we know that Rome can get cold. And so Paul wants his cloak, but notice he also wants his books as well. You see, these books were not what we think of today. They're not just random books written about Christian growth, spiritual growth, Christian discipleship, or whatever the latest fad is. Rather, these were papyrus scrolls that probably had the Old Testament written on them. So when we read about Carpus here in verse 13, we not only get a a glimpse of Paul's trust of Carpus, but now we are seeing more of Paul's humanness and also Paul's need. Now, I love again what John Stott says about this moment. He says, when our spirit is lonely, we need friends. When our body is cold, we need clothing. When our mind is bored, we need books. To admit this is not unspiritual, it is human. So now what we have in our text is we are beginning to see a little more of Paul's basic human need here at the end of his life. And that need was now going to be met by a brother in Christ that Paul clearly trusted. And so we have to ask ourselves, are we like Carpus? Can we be trusted with items? Can we be trusted with information that is invaluable to the people who has entrusted them to us? You see, in order to be in a gospel relationship, we have to be the type of people that can be trusted. Now let's skip from there into verses 19 through 21. And what I want you to see in verse 19 through 21 are some old familiar faces, but then also some new friends that Paul's made along the way. We see people like Prisca and Aquila and Onesiphorus in verse 19. Now here in this final list of friends, Paul greets these friends who were in other places. Prisca and Aquila is the husband and wife befriended by Paul in Corinth. Paul stayed with them and probably worked with them as tent makers as we see in Acts chapter 18. So these friends, for Paul, exemplify the study faithfulness to Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, they consistently kept Jesus at the front of all things that they were doing. And Paul knew that and was encouraged by them. We also see that Onesiphorus' household is greeted as well. Now, it's interesting to note that because chances are Onesiphorus was actually in Rome while Paul was in prison. And yet Paul loved him and cared for him enough to continue to greet him and greet his family as well. In verse 20, we see Erastus and Trophimus. Again, here's another set of mutual friends to Paul. Erastus might have been the same guy mentioned in Romans 16 who was known as the city treasurer who accompanied Timothy on a previous trip to Macedonia that we read about in Acts chapter 19. Trophimus, we know, was a native to Ephesus who went with Paul on his third missionary journey. And so we now know in Acts 20 and 21 that he was also with Paul in Miletus and also in Jerusalem. So he clearly experienced the same hardships with Paul and with Timothy and at some point was left behind due to his own personal illness. We get to verse 21, and we see the names Eubulus, Pudens, Linus, Claudia, and the brothers. Now, not much is known of these three men and this one woman. They appear to be a part of the church in Rome. And we know that they are joined with all the brothers, so it can clearly be assumed that they were faithful believers, and they were helpful to Paul while he was in Rome. Now, you may be asking, what do all these friends Have to do with me today? Well, the answer is these friends of Paul show us the power of gospel relationships. You see, they reveal to us how faithful friends through the years can continue to bless the body of Christ. We will have friends in our lives, friends that will last forever, but there will also be the friends that are only in our lives for seasons. And so let us enjoy the seasons that we have together, encouraging one another in the faith, growing with one another in the faith. And then when friends go, let us remember them fondly as they move on to the next mission that God has called them to. You see, we don't know a lot about these particular friends of Paul. They are very unknown to us, but that doesn't mean they're not important you see even though they are unknown to us they are definitely known by God so as a church today we now are called upon to be faithful to the word we are now called upon to encourage according to the word and we are called to be faithful to the ministry that God has called us to We hope and pray that people will remain for years and years and years to come. But we recognize today that even in our room at this moment, there may be some of you sitting in the pews who may by the grace of God be called upon to go and faithfully serve the Lord in another community or in another state or in another city or in another country. And my prayer for you is that as long as you are here, that you would use your time, that you would use the ministry that God has given you to bless one another, to enrich one another, to strengthen one another and the faith family that is around us so that the ministry both here at Southside and the ministry that leaves this place and goes all over the world can continue for the glory of God for years to come. So now let's ask ourselves as a faith family, who are we serving? Are we serving ourselves or are we here serving one another? Are we here serving our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? With that, let's think about this question. Who are we now speaking into? Whose lives are we speaking into? Who, who are we encouraging? Who are we speaking in truth over? Who are we praying over? so that their gospel relationship can continue to grow and flourish. Now, many of you may think, okay, pastor, you just skipped right over verse 16 through 18. Why is that? Well, this is where we actually find our most powerful gospel relationship. You see, in verse 16 and 17, Paul writes of his first defense. Now, this may have been a preliminary trial or investigation that preceded the formal trial that was ultimately coming for Paul. Paul here in his own words acknowledges that no one came to stand by me. Now the reality is some people probably could not because of the mission and the task that they had already been given, but there were some who would not simply because of their own fear. Either way, we now know this, Paul stood alone as he was accused of everything from rejecting Caesar worship all the way to cannibalism because that's what the Romans wanted you to believe about the Lord's Supper. So at this moment, Paul reminds us in verse 17. Listen to his words. He says, but the Lord stood by me and he strengthened me. You see, Paul knew that even physically he might have been alone in that room. He was not alone at all. You see, Jesus Christ was with him, and he knew that. It's like when we read of the prophet Jeremiah, in Jeremiah chapter 20, when, when Jeremiah is prophesying in the name of the Lord and all of a sudden his enemies turn against him, his closest friends turn against him, and so he is shamed to the point where he finds himself standing alone on a mountain looking over the people as they continue to hurl up insults at him. In Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 11, he writes, but the Lord is with me as a dread warrior. Therefore, my persecutors will stumble. Again, in Acts chapter 7, verse 56, we read Stephen's words. Before he dies, he says, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. So what does all this mean for us? It means that even when we think we are abandoned for taking a bold stand on the word of God, we are truly never alone. Our friends may desert us leaders may abandon us. Our family may seek the comfort of the world, but as for us, even in that moment, we are still not alone. Our Lord is with us. Our Lord stands beside us as a champion. Our dreaded warrior is with us. He walks before us, he is behind us, and he is beside us, and he is on our side and by his own words he says that he will never leave us nor forsake us. So you see as believers in Christ and standing upon the gospel and standing upon the word of God realize today that you are never alone. The Lord is with you. To borrow the words from Joshua chapter 1, only be strong and courageous. You see, when we recognize that we stand before, when we stand with our almighty God, we are now freed from the fear of man. So now we are called upon to teach. We are called upon to preach in God's sight. We are called upon to preach and teach in God's presence. And we are called upon to preach and teach by God's strength. This is why Paul was ultimately led to say that we, like Paul, are being rescued from the lion's mouth. Then we get to verse 18, and Paul teaches us that even though the rescue was was there, this rescue was temporary. Because even Paul understood that death was certain. Now notice this about Paul, though. Paul actually faces death with peace because of his faith in Christ. That's what led him to say, the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. You see, Paul stood confidently in the promise of what was coming with the kingdom of God and the promise of knowing that one day he would be reunited with his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, Paul understood that God is the one who gives the strength. He understood that it was God who gives the message. It is God who protects us from evil, and one day it will be God who brings us to heaven. And so he alone, according to Paul, deserves the glory forever and ever. Amen. May it be so. You see, gospel relationships are built and focused on the centrality of Christ Jesus our Lord, knowing that all we have, all that we ever need, is from Christ and Christ alone. Now Paul closes by coming back to verse 22, and he ends his gospel-centered letter with a gospel-centered blessing. He says, The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. With you. Notice that Paul's final words may be the most fitting of all his letters. He says, Grace. You see, Paul had experienced grace. Paul had preached grace. And now he closes by praying for grace. You see, as we pursue faithfulness to God and gospel relationships, my prayer is that we would rest. In God's amazing grace. My prayer is that we would remember his perfect faithfulness. And rely on his strength. Knowing that one day we will join with our Lord in the heavenly kingdom. Knowing that all we now have comes from the grace of God. You see our race like Paul is nearly complete. So let me encourage you with Paul's words here. Keep running the race. Keep grace in the forefront of what it is that you do. And may all of us together today continue to be the people that look for and live gospel relationships. All done for the glory of God. Now I want to close with something very simple and practical before uh, we pray. And then I'm going to ask Corey to come back up, and he's going to give us a full reading of 2 Timothy. But before we do, I want you to understand this. I want you to understand that we as a church now live by grace. Because of what Christ Jesus our Lord has done for us, we now have grace over our lives. And it's because of this grace that many churches were now able to to look out and say, since we are now living in this grace, how can we best pray for one another? How can we best send one another out from this place? And so they said, let's continue to pray for grace over one another, but now let's pass the peace as well and pray God's peace over one another. And so if we could, I just wanna practice something real quick, and then I'm gonna close out in a word of prayer, and I hope this becomes a common part of our services as we close. This is the same thing that I used to do with my students. It's the same thing that's always been a part of my life and a part of the ministries that I've been a part of. I want us just to simply pass the peace together because of the grace of God and what he has done. So here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna say to you, and may the peace of Christ be with you, and I want you to respond by saying, and also with you, and then we will pray. Are you ready? May the peace of Christ be with you. Yes, let's pray. Father God, we come before you right now thanking you for this day. And Father, we thank you for the joy that we have of knowing you as Lord and Savior. We thank you for the goodness of your grace, the goodness of your mercy. We thank you that God, as your people, we now live in your grace. And so, Father, I pray that for one another, we would now pray peace over each other's lives. That we would live at peace with one another. That we would speak the gospel of peace, the good news of the hope of knowing you as Lord and Savior. Father, may we recognize the grace that we need daily. And so as we pray for each other daily, Father, may we pray peace as well over one another. God, we thank you for the relationships that you've given to us. Thank you for new relationships that we now share as we see more and more people come to join with this faith family here. Father, we thank you for the old relationships as well, relationships that date back 20, 30 years. Father, whether it's a new relationship that begins today or one that is years in the making, years old, Father, I pray that we would recognize that we are here and here together because of your sovereign grace. And so, Father, I pray that as we continue to grow together, as we encourage one another, edify one another, as we challenge each other according to the word, Father, may it be your peace that reigns over us. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for your goodness, and we thank you for your grace. We thank you for loving us, We thank you for delighting in us, and we thank you for the peace that can only come by knowing you as Lord. Father, we praise you, and it's in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen.
1: Amen. We opened up this series, Letters from the Pastor, with a reading from Titus all the way through, just to kind of set the tone and to give us the word of the Lord that we will be set upon learning. And now today we are going to finish our Letters from the Pastor series with a reading from 2 Timothy. So if you would read along with me. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. And I am reminded of your sincere faith, the faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me and his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day, what has been entrusted to me, follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me. In the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. You are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phygellus and Hermogenes, May the Lord grant peace to the to the household of Anisiphorus. and for he often refreshed me and has not ashamed was not ashamed of my chains but when he arrived in Rome he searched for me earnestly and found me may the Lord grant to him to find mercy from the Lord on that day and you well know all the service that he has rendered at Ephesus you then my child be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus And what you have heard from me in the presence of my many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to serve others also, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. For no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. For the saying is trustworthy. If we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. And if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Remind them of these things and charge them before God, not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourselves to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philitus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some. But God's firm foundation stands, bearing the seal. The Lord knows who are his. And let everyone whose names, the uh, the name of the Lord, depart from iniquity. Now in a great house there are only but vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use. Set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace among with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but but kind to everyone, able to teach, "...patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, "...proud, ignorant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women." Burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth, just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so also these men, also these, so these men also oppose the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith, but they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as what as was that of these two men. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and at Lystra, of which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through this faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And I charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching, for time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching but have itching ears they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from the listening from listening to the truth and wander off into myths as for you always be sober minded endure suffering do the work of an evangelist fulfill your ministry for i am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come i have fought the good fight I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Do your best to come to me soon, for Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me in ministry. Tychicus, I have sent to Ephesus, which you come, bring, and when you come, bring the cloak that I have left with Carpus and Troas, also the books, and above all, the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds." Every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Prisca and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus remained at Corinth, and I left Trophimus, who was ill at Miletus. Do your best to come before winter. Eubulus sends greetings to you, as do Prudens, Prudens and Linus and Claudia and all the brothers The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Let us pray.